Right. Okay. Obviously, we spent a long time talking about the word beforehand. It's important stuff, though. But that is that's the subject I'm talking about because the the overall subject that I'm still talking about is the fact that that I believe it's time to go forward. It's time to advance. It's time to start getting some breakthroughs. And um, you know, and and it's it's amazing as I've taught this, and obviously some of these messages end up online and and like the, the morning one gets streamed online and uh, people have been messaging me and just saying things like, you know, yeah, I, I, I realize I'm, I've been in a stalemate. I mean, stuck. And, and I've had people message me and say, you know what? I, after listening to you, I've just realized my church hasn't moved in the last 20 years. Old church is just stuck, you know? And it's, uh, it is, I think so many are just in a stuck position uh, and it's not God's plan for us to be stuck. It's not God's will for us to be stuck. Um, so we're looking at some things that are involved in moving forward. Now, I started last week on something that I'm going to spend more time on there. And that is that, that the, the, the word of God itself is essential in order to advance. There can be no advancing without the word. Um, and and uh, I don't want to spend a long time on this because I've talked about it at, at other times. But Joshua's generation was an advancing generation. They moved forward. The previous generation was a stuck generation. They got stuck in the wilderness. And the generation before that was stuck in Egypt, <laughs> stuck in bondage. But then they, they came out of that and then they got stuck in the wilderness. They couldn't get out of the wilderness. And, and I've said this many times, but I keep saying it because the, the reality of this is so important that it wasn't the anointing upon Moses. And Moses could get them out of Egypt. He couldn't get them into the promised land with his anointing. Moses, it wasn't even the, you know, just the fact that they were a blessed nation because Balak, Balak wanted to curse them and, and Balaam, the prophet says, I can't, they're blessed. They're a blessed generation. They've got one of the most powerful prophets in the Bible, Moses. And, uh, and, and, and they had a lot of other things going for them as well. They had the manifest glory of God. They had the glory cup, the visible in the natural world glory of God. They had constant miracles happening. I mean, you don't get, get it much better than that. And yet they couldn't get into the promised land. They couldn't advance. And that tell, that we should learn something from that because that tells us that all of those things by themselves are not what are going to advance you. If that generation couldn't get out of the wilderness into the promised land with everything they had, now, are those things good? Of course it's good. Of course you want anointed ministers. You want anointed leaders. Of course we want the glory of God in manifestation. But it's not just the move of the Spirit that got them in. Uh, actually, what determined whether they went in or didn't go in was how they responded to the Word of God. And the whole purpose of the wilderness, God gave them all the, the manifestations of the Spirit. Now, they had moves of manifestations of the Spirit when they went into the, into the, into the promised land. The flattening of the walls of Jericho, that was a manifestation of the miraculous. And in fact, Joshua spoke to the sun and the sun stood still. So, I mean, of, of all of Moses' miracles, I think that one from Joshua topped Moses right there. Topped him. <laughs> Stop time. <laughs> I had an interesting thought this week. I was meditating on that scripture where Joshua spoke to the sun and it stood still. Because I've always been fascinated with the concept of time travel. This might not interest any of you, but it's an observation. And I thought to myself, you know, when, it, when you watch like, if you see it in a Hollywood movie or some series where people have got power or they can time travel, 
time goes forward or time goes backwards or some superhero who can pause time. Have you ever seen those ones where everyone's frozen except the superhero because he can move now? I thought to myself, it's interesting in the Bible where time stood still, the sun stood still. You know what didn't stand still was the people. Human beings kept going. Why? They're eternal. We got spirits. You can stop everything in the natural and, and, and humans won't stop. And even... Even was it Hezekiah where Isaiah that sundown went that went backwards was it fifteen degrees or something? Yeah, yeah. And 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 some people say, oh, that's a bit of a far-fetched miracle. Like you said, actually, scientists have factored in those two time changes in the scripture, and they've answered some questions other scientists couldn't answer. So so in in, in Hezekiah was it Hezekiah? The, I think it was Hezekiah where the, where the time went backwards. But you notice the sun went backwards, but the human beings didn't. Everyone didn't suddenly reverse in time. They were still conscious. The whole time, time was going backwards. And in Joshua's time, the battle continued, the good guys and the bad guys. I mean, in an ideal situation, if it was a Hollywood movie, Joshua and his bunch would keep moving and all of was the Amalekites or whoever it was would have all frozen because then you can just go kill them all. But actually, the human beings didn't freeze. That was just an interesting ob observation of biblical manipulation of time. Is the physical world and the sun went backwards, time went backwards, whatever, so it stood still, but the human beings didn't freeze. None of them. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. You might not. I've never thought of that before. I was like, oh, Hollywood got it wrong. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that's a sad thought. But, but Joshua was in, Joshua's generation was a forward-moving generation, and they advanced where the previous generation had got stuck. And the big difference between those generation, two generations is how they responded to the Word of God. And in fact, it's as we spent time last week showing, it's the foundation of what Josh, God spoke to Joshua in Joshua 1. Meditate on the Word. Out of every, I mean, this guy's going into battles. They've got people who can kill them in the real natural world. And God says, put my word first. Keep, keep yourself in my word. Why? Because God understands the power of his word working in our lives and the power that his word has to move us forward when nothing else can. And there's a lot of people trying to move forward. You see, the children of Israel had miracles in the wilderness, but when the dust settled from the miracle, they were still in the wilderness. The miracle didn't get them out the wilderness. The miracle dealt with the present situation. And I'm convinced about this. I, you know, hey, tell me off later if I got this completely wrong. You know, someone someone might say, am I prophesying? I'm just saying what God put on my heart. But, but a lot of people are anticipating revival. They're believing for revival. But I'm telling you, the revival and the move of God that's going to happen on the planet is going to be different to any previous one before because a lot of the, the past ones have been moves of the Spirit. But when the dust settled, all the churches were the same. They all went back to their old ways. They'd slip back into because even in this country, I mean, I remember in the 1990s, some amazing moves of the Holy Spirit. And early, you know, amazing, all the Christians, the whole country, all the church, oh, all excited. That move of the Spirit died down, all the churches went back to their old ways. They're, they're all the same as they were before. Because actually, those move of the Spirit, as wonderful as they are, they don't advance you. Yeah. Only the Word will advance you. And as long as the Word is rejected, pushed away, the advancing can't happen. And this is how God has ordained it. That's why he's given us that pattern in, 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 in the Bible, in Exodus and going into Joshua. Exodus, you know, those books, those books, they're going to the book of Joshua. He showed us what was required 
<coughs> to be the advancing generation. It had to be how they handled the word of God. And this is a requirement. I, I believe um, there's a responsibility. That's the word that I want. Responsibility that goes with what God has given. <coughs> and we have been given teaching. Our generation has been given teaching like nothing else. It's been going on for 40, 50 years. And, and, and actually, it's because God wants us to advance in, in the word. And he wants us. This is why I said Moses had some spectacular spectacular miracles he split red seas he called you know i mean the glory of god he never stopped time i mean that to me tops them and i thought to myself who stopped time moses or the man of the word now i'm not saying moses wasn't a man of the word but actually in that one miracle the man who god said meditate in my word day and night and i know joshua did I've, I've got studies on this, but I asked myself one time, did Joshua actually do that? Or was that just the instruction at the start of Joshua? And then he didn't. But when you look at the way Joshua handled the word through the entire book of Joshua, you can tell he was a man of the word. And that generation went in. Oh, but but he, he constantly drew the nation back to the word. The, what the, and people say, well, it wasn't the word, it was the law. That's all they had that time. Okay. Right. And, now, this is what we've got to realize. Now, I'm going to move off that, but we've got to grasp, and God has spent time really establishing in us, and, and I'm sure we've, we've heard teachings, but actually, sometimes you've got to come back to some things. And God's really taken me back to what I would, I would class as a foundational truth, and that is the power of the Word of God. The power of the Word. Do you know that many Christians are trying to get their faith working, but faith is based upon the Word. And if your confidence in the, the power and integrity of the Word is weak, your faith's going to struggle. Because it all starts with the power of the Word. In fact, look at a couple of scriptures. Let, let, go to Romans 4. I mentioned this just now when I was talking about this. We know that the scripture, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. Well, if the enemy can attack a person's confidence in the word, then how's their faith going to stand? Because faith is based upon the word. Now, we as human beings were created to live by faith. This, this, my eyes have been open to this, and I'm like, wow, I can see that. Living by faith is not just a New Testament truth. Okay, just like we are taken back to authority, we're seated with Christ in the heavenly place. God gave man authority in the book in the in the garden. Okay. We got a lot restored back to us. One of the things is the, the, the whole way of living by faith, or put it this way, living by faith that is has has come into us because we're living by the word is how God created Adam and Eve to live. And in fact, they were supposed to rule on this earth, their authority. They 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 were beings, the Bible says they were crowned and circled. The word means in glory and God gave them authority. But what he also gave them was his word. Do you know one of the earliest truths established and taught in scripture is the power of the word. It's on page one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and it gives you a little bit of the setting and then says, and God said, now, that truth of when God said is not one to just glaze over. Oh, yeah, I know God said it and move on. Do you know how many times the rest of the Bible points us back to that event? Quite a few times it points us back. All right. Now, I'm going to come back to that thought. Let me read Romans 4 and then I'll come back to that thought. All right. But notice this. 
this is talking about Abraham's faith. And, and I don't know about you, but if there's anyone's faith in scripture that I'd really like to get a hold of and be like, Abraham's certainly one of them. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we're pointed to his faith. But look at this. Romans 4.16. We know that I'm sure many of us have heard the passage. says, therefore, it is of faith. Now, this is one of the places where the NRV probably actually gives it a little bit more clarity because I think the NRV says, therefore, the promise is by faith. Whereas the, the, the one I'm, the New King James says, just says it. The reason it says it is because you've got to read the previous verses. The subject is the promise. Well, whose promise? God's promise. Now, if it is a promise from God, would you agree with me? It is the word of God. So whenever you read the word promise, you could in your mind put the promise of the word. Just to, just to, I'm not, I'm not saying add that in and write new versions of the Bible because we discussed that already. But I'm saying in your understanding, read promise as the word. All right. Now, what is faith based upon? The word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So when you read the word faith in this passage, also think the word of God. It's interesting when you do that. Okay. So let's do that. But Romans 4.16. Therefore, it, the promise from the word of God is of faith, which also came from the word of God, <laughs> so that it might be according to grace, so that the promise or the word, the word might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, the faith which came from the word. Actually, every time he mentions faith, every time he mentions promise, it is a reference in some way indirectly to the word. Do you see how much the word is already being mentioned in this passage <laughs> in, 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 in an indirect sense? Now, verse 17 says, as it is written. Well, when he says written, what would he be re referring to? The word. As it is written. So this is the written word. Now, it wasn't written to Abraham. It was spoken to Abraham, but it was written for us to read about Abraham. Now, does it carry just as much authority when it's written for us as it did when it was spoken to Abraham? That's the point of this passage. Because what has he just said in verse 16? That the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. Well, I'm one of those. Okay. So, the written promise is as sure to me as the spoken promise was to Abraham because the written promise carries the same power and authority. That's why in verse 17, he says, as it is, quote unquote, written, brackets I've put in there, in my own understanding, as it is written in the word of God, quote unquote, I have made you a father of many nations. Okay. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. Just giving us an understanding of how Abraham's faith. It's another study, the actual dynamics of his faith. But I want you to see that the word part of it. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. So when God spoke it, Abraham was not it. But how Abraham responded to it determined whether he became it. You might have to chew, think that one through. Let me say that again. When God spoke it, Abraham was not it. But 
because of how Abraham responded to what God said, he became it. What caused him to become? His faith in what? The word. Faith is taught in this passage, but so is the word. Because what is verse 17 says, as it is written, brackets, in the word of God, I have made you. So what's happening here? God is speaking. Do you know that those words are as powerful as the creative words God spoke to create the entire universe? They're not less powerful. How did God say, light be? Do you realize when, when God's... God, when God speaks his word, creative power is released. But the one thing the enemy wants to attack very solidly in us is our confidence in the word and the power of the word. Because he, he can undermine everything. It's amazing how you can read the scripture to someone. One of my favorite, Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Speak to your mountain. It's there. Jesus said it. It's not, you know, it's in the Bible. It's true. And then people say, oh yeah, but that doesn't work. What are you saying? Well, I tried that. Okay, pause. What are you saying? There's no power in that scripture. That's what they're saying. There's no power in that truth. Because actually, what is that scripture? When God speaks it, he's releasing power in every word he speaks. And, and actually... Our response is to grab it and believe it because that releases the power of it in our lives. It's when Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope, believed that he became. So it's how he responded to the word and handled the word determined whether that power was released in his own life. So if the enemy can undermine people's confidence in the power of the word, he can shake every other part of it. So he sits on people's shoulders. Oh, that's not working. Oh, that scripture doesn't apply. Oh, this, what's he doing? What's, what's the motive behind all of this? The attack on the word. And actually, one of the biggest areas, or I would venture to say the biggest area the enemy will attack any Christian on is on the word. And this is why, actually, we have to reinforce ourselves in our confidence in the power of the word. So, so when, sorry, go ahead. I acknowledge, yeah. And it's the power of that word. We are pointed to the power of that word a number of times in scripture because God wants us to have confidence in the power of when he speaks something. That same power that said, like be. And the whole of Genesis 1 is God said, God said, God said, God said. So the very foundation of the opening chapter of the Bible is the power of the word, of his word, God's word. Okay, And this entire universe is brought into being by the, by, by the word of God. Hebrews 11, 2 or 3 says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So we are, we are pointed to that event. To build our confidence in the power of the word. More than once, Peter does it. Second Peter points us back to when, it, when he says, when people are saying, oh, where's the delay of his coming? Where's he coming? He says, they willfully forget that the world, and he points back at creation. He says, the world that was then, and God spoke and it came to pass. What, what should you hold to when you begin to wonder whether a promise of God is going to come to pass? The power of his word to bring it to pass. And you remind yourself 
His word was powerful enough to make this entire universe. It's powerful enough to bring to pass what he's spoken to my life. See, Abraham, one of the reasons God really, I heard, I heard someone say something this week. In fact, it was yesterday. And it's interesting because I had the same thought myself a few weeks ago. And I thought, when I thought it, I thought, I've never really heard anyone say that, but I can see it. And then I listened to the message yesterday and the guy said it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, someone else has said it. And I'd never even preached it yet. I was just thinking it. But I thought to myself, I don't actually personally Okay, okay, let me say this. I, this one I can't prove. I can't preach this as scripture, but I suspect, let me say it that way. I suspect that Abraham was not the first person God approached. So much is built upon the faith of Abraham, but what I know about God elsewhere in scriptures, often God approached, what about God raised up King Saul? And then he had to raise up King David. He didn't, he didn't always get his first choice. God raised up the first Adam, and then he had to bring along the last Adam, <laughs> or the second Adam, the last man, whichever one you want. Okay? So God using an alternative is quite a common scripture because actually the usability of God's choice is down to how they respond to the word. So it makes me wonder how many people did God begin to deal with leading up to Abraham's generation, but he found the one who would respond to his word. It makes me wonder. I can't prove that. I'll check with God when we get to heaven. You can't disprove me on it. You check with him when we get to heaven too. But I strongly suspect it. That's an interesting ringtone. <laughs> Is that the Batman music? <laughs> that was right in the middle of a powerful point there then the batman music comes on on the phone okay <laughs> okay but but this scripture with abraham is it's, it's showing us abraham's faith but it's also showing us what his faith was rooted in the word and it says as it is written i have made you a father of many nations then verse 18 says he became the father of many nations he became according to what was spoken, which was the word. The word, I believe, had the power to create and make him into what God had spoken. This is why when you believe in the power of the word, it doesn't matter if it doesn't look like it's that way now. So I've heard people say, and I've said this myself, God didn't look out in Genesis and go, oh, it's dark out there. Because <laughs> if he had, it would still be really dark. I mean, God's word comes to pass. See, so so faith is rooted in an absolute confidence in the power of the word of God that when God says it, it has the power to bring it into being. Just like he brought the natural world into being, he spoke to Abraham and said, I've made you a father of many nations. His power, his word carried the power to do it. Abraham was not the father of many nations when God spoke it, but the word from God enabled it to be. Because Abraham grabbed a hold of it and he said, yes. This is why when God says things about you, people struggle because they're in the intellect. Well, I don't understand how the Bible says I can be blessed when I don't look very blessed. I have confidence in the creative power of that word to bring it to pass. If God speaks it, I have enough confidence that the same word of God that said, let there be light, said, 
I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing or I've healed you or whatever other scripture you want to look at. Yeah. Because actually your confidence in the power of the word of God will give your faith strength. People are trying to have strong faith, but all the while the enemy is attacking the power of the word right behind, right under our feet, ripping the carpet out from underneath us. And we're trying to have our strong faith, have our strong faith. And it's because we, we haven't reestablished or established ourselves strongly in the, the power of the word that my faith is based upon. The reason my faith can produce results is because the creative power of the word that my base, my faith stands upon. If you build yourself into that and meditate in the power of the word, this is why God said to Joshua, meditate in my word. I personally, now we could go into the fact that, you know, was that a manifestation of, of faith in Joshua when he spoke to the son, you know, a, a divine a gift of the spirit. There's all kinds of things. But I personally, I, I saw this in a way I've never seen it before, but I think Joshua meditated in the word, meditated in the word, meditated in the word. And the word he had included Genesis one, God spoke. It included, we don't realize this, but it included that because in, he had Genesis. It included when God said, God said, I gave you authority on this world, earth. It wasn't just the law, thou shalt not. He had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy probably by that time. And he meditated. I believe he really did saturate himself in that. And that word birthed an incredible faith on the inside of this man. Now, yes, did God boost his faith for that? We can argue over that. But actually, it was the man of the word that did one of the most powerful miracles in the Bible. And I'm, I'm firmly convinced that Joshua completely saturated in this, right? Now, you see, the, the, the enemy is afraid. This is why over and over again, the Bible points us back to the power of the word at creation. You, I, I, you won't have time to look at all, all of these, and I won't quote them all, but Psalm 33 Verse, verse starts in verse six. It says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. What's, what's the Bible keep pointing us back at? That event. Why? Because it wants us to grasp the power of that event and the power of his word to do that. And then Psalm 33, verse nine, it says, for he spoke and it was actually my translation says, for he spoke and it was done. But in my translation, the word done is in italics. And the reason they put that in italics is because it's not in the original. The translators put that word in just to help our understanding. Because they think, for he spoke and it was, is an incomplete sentence. It's not an incomplete sentence when it comes to God. It was. That's it. Just means full stop. That's like God's name is I am. He doesn't need I am something up more. He, he spoke and it was, it, that was it. It was so, we might say. He spoke and it was so, because that's the power of his word, okay? He commanded and it stood fast. Now, many of us know these truths, but you know you can know with your head a truth, but actually sometimes you've got to spend time meditating on the power of the word, the power of the word. This is the same power of the word that he says in Psalm 1, like I said last week, meditate in this word day and night. Why? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. People think, well, you know, is that about me being a good Christian? And God says, good boy, you meditated on what? No, it's about, I have such confidence in the power of this that I begin to saturate my life in it. And it has creative power to transform my life into a tree planted by the rivers of water. Just a side thought. I heard someone say this yesterday. I thought, that's good. I've never heard that before. 
and 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 he said this. He says, Psalm one says, He shall be like a tree, a tree, single, yeah, a tree. So there's one tree. He shall be like a tree planted by how many streams? I've always, I've always, in my head, I've always pictured one tree planted by one beautiful river. When I've read that. Okay, yeah, but I mean, well, that's Jack and Genesis. But in Psalm 1, <coughs> he shall be like a tree planted by rivers. Whoa. That's not just one supply. That's just rivers everywhere. That's just, just the lusciousness of that supply that comes in of what the word will actually do to a person. You can meditate on that. Just a side thought. But I thought that's pretty. That's quite, I've never seen that before. That's that's like whoa. God's not limited in the and the amount of rivers He's got. They can, he can all kind of rivers He can bring bring His supply in. Okay. But over and over again, I mean, Psalm 148, verse five says, talking about the host of heaven, the angels, the moon. Let them praise the Lord. It says, let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded, and they were created. He also established them forever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. What's the Bible building into us? Why? And it keeps pointing back at creation. Even all, like I said, all the way into Hebrews 11, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So if you begin to meditate in the power of that and the power of that word, you won't struggle having strong faith. You begin to realize the foundation of my faith is in a powerful, creative word that has the power to bring to pass what is in there. Okay. Now let's go back to Genesis quickly. I want to point out a, a thing or two here. Now I believe, and I'll close on this point. You know, G Jesus quoted in Matthew 4 when he was being tempted, he quoted Deuteronomy. Uh, I think it was Deuteronomy 8 when he said, um, he answered the, the devil. He said, you know, turn these stones, these stones into bread. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, one of the things that I've been meditating on and getting a hold of is the eternal nature of the word. Okay. When God says something, do you realize it's eternal? When God says man shall not live by bread alone, he's not just talking about man from that point forward. When he's man all time. Yeah. Okay. That includes Adam and Eve. Right. Man was created to live by the word of God. To feed on it. So let's go back to Genesis. Do you realize God, God spoke to. God spoke the world into existence. I read that. Let there be light. Let there be, and, he said, and this is, you know, you know, Genesis could have been written like this. And God said, let there be light, let there be living. And it could have just had one long sentence, but it keeps repeating this phrase. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God, why is it doing that? It's not just for poetical benefit. It's because it's repeating. It's building into us that repeated concept of the power of his word to do. But once God finishes creating, he doesn't stop talking in genesis okay because who does he in fact in verse in genesis 1 26 it says then god said let us make man okay and then he makes man in verse 27 so so verse 26 
man wasn't yet made. So this was spoken before man was made. Verse 27, then he created man. And notice this. Then, then what does, what's the first thing God did when he made man? Yes and no. Because actually, the first thing God did was speak to him. Now, yes, you told me the content blessed him because it, it is a blessing in what he's saying. So God, in what he's saying, God gave him authority. God, God blessed him. There's a bless, blessing is a verbal thing. Okay. But actually, then God blessed them and God said to them that, it, 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 yes, the blessing, the, what he's saying is the blessing. Okay. But what I want you to see there is it says God said to them. Why did God speak to man the first thing after creating him? Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man was created to live by the power of the word and to live by faith in the word. It's how man was supposed to function on this planet. And the power of that word working in us with the glory of God surrounding us, releasing authority was to how, was to how we will rule and reign. Faith in that word. Faith in that word. This is before sin. <laughs> your phone going again. <laughs> this is before sin ever existed. This is how man was created to. God spoke to man. Now notice this. Verse 28. God said to them. Then verse 29, and God said, yeah. notice this, he's still speaking. What's God doing? He's giving man his word. Yeah. The same word that just a few days before said, let there be light. Yeah. He is speaking to man. I've not quite seen this quite like this before. Mm -hmm. So this phrase, God said, God said, God said, does not stop at the creation of man. He keeps speaking. It says, and God said, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of this. Do you, do you realize that's eternal? That doesn't stop being. These, these things God spoke. Okay. Um, then we jump down. Uh, going into chapter two, talks about he rested. Um, uh, and then it goes into more detail uh, about the, the garden um, and the different things. Um, uh, verse 15, chapter 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, why does God keep speaking to his newly created man? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We were built. We were created. We were designed right from the very first moment God created us to be word beings the word was supposed to birth faith inside every human being right there and it was supposed to be how how mankind functioned now if you get a hold of this you'll realize the power of of things that happened after that and how and what where the, the power of the truth when it says in the New Testament, the just will live by faith. Adam and Eve were supposed to live by faith in the word. Everything they did was supposed to be done by faith in the word. 
God, God was equipping them by speaking to them. And, he, and it goes on and says, and God said, it's not good that man should live alone. God, what's God doing? The same creative power. God is speaking to man. Every sentence God is speaking to man is birthing faith inside of him. So he's feeding this newly created man on his word, building his faith up in God's word. Chapter three. What? Where? Or put it this way. I'll finish now because we're getting a bit late. Where did it all go wrong? What was the failure? What was the biggest failure of Genesis, of the fall of man? People say, oh, well, they ate the fruit. No. They departed from the word. That was where everything went wrong. That's powerful. Because that is what the enemy attacked. The enemy, yeah, we've we've not seen it like this. But you see, God said, God said, God said, right through chapter one, chapter two, and chapter two, chapter three starts. What is the first four words out of the devil's mouth in chapter three? Says this. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to to the woman, Has God indeed said? That's the first four words out of the devil's mouth. So even chapter three is still teaching us about the word. And, but it's showing how, how everything went wrong for humanity because man stepped outside the word that God had been speaking to him the whole time. Even when God said to man, I've given you every tree, but don't eat of that tree because the day you eat of it, you'll surely die. That's not a negative statement. That statement was designed by God to build faith. They should have said, God said it. I believe it. Stay away from the tree. I believe what God said. But you know what the devil did? The devil convinced them that what God had said was God holding out on them. And he, he caused them to question the character and the power and the integrity of God's word. And at that point, everything went wrong for humanity. So the first thing they did wrong was not eat the fruit. The first thing they did wrong was depart from the word. If they had had faith in the word and faith in God and faith in what God had said, that God had been giving them his word. So they had enough word to have faith. Now, if they'd had had faith in what God had said and had said to that that devil, I believe what God said. God said that tree will kill me. I'm staying away. If they'd held to faith, not law, belief, I believe what he said. But instead, the enemy came and said, did God really say? So first of all, he questioned what God said. But then he said, then verse two, the woman said, oh, no, no, yeah, no, this is what God said. You'll not eat of it. You'll not touch it. Verse four, the second thing the serpent said is then the serpent said to the woman, you'll not surely die. No, no, no. What God said is not true. Now, the devil is doing the exact same thing to Christians today. Oh, that oh that faith stuff. Oh, what Jesus said in Mark 11, 12. Oh, you know, oh, that all things are possible to him who believes. <laughs> would you really believe that? What kind of solid Christian would believe that? <laughs> Where do you think those doctrines all came into the church from that question this and tell you it doesn't work? It's not true. 
that's what the nature of the devil was to tell them it's not true what God said. Don't believe what God said. God's lying to you. Yeah, how can I say? Well, you're back in there. But that's what the devil, see, we've got to realize, and right from that point forward, from Genesis, God had to set out to seek a people who would believe his word. Why do you think he, what did he find in Abraham? In fact, take a step back. What did he find in Noah? No, God said to Noah, there's a flood coming. Noah spent the next 120 years of his life believing that and preparing an ark. That's why he's upheld in, in, in Hebrews. By faith, Noah prepared an ark. Faith in what? Faith in the fact that God told him it's going to happen. So he built his entire life around that and wouldn't depart from it. And Abraham, God said, go to a land I'm going to show you. And Abraham immediately took the word and he committed his whole life to it. Yeah. So you see, we've got to, why are we being presented these in scripture? Because God is looking for a people who will not pull away from his word. Because when we hold to it like Abraham, Noah, these other guys did, the power of it will work in our lives and the enemy cannot get in. That's why he spends so much time sitting on our shoulders trying to get us to question, trying to get us to pull away from, trying to get us back off the word in some way. And this is why we don't go forward. Amen? Yeah. So anyway, I'm, this, is, this is a message you literally just stop right there because we could just go on. But, 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 I, but I, I hope that really actually opens your eyes. And some, I, I've never seen it in that light before. And you missed that because you, you, you had to slip out. But I did record it. Thank you. No, no, I'm, I'm, I, it's all right. I call the nature. I couldn't avoid it. But I, That's 